This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Yesterday, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale promised to toughen up the requirements on terror suspects who are subject to restrictive peace bonds by saying that uh, de-radicalization counseling should be part of this process. Some are saying, uh, including the RCMP, that the more you do this, uh, the more the chance is that uh, they could go the other way. It could all backfire. To talk more on all of this, Elliot Tepper is with us, professor of political science with an expertise in immigration, terrorism, and diversity issues in Canada. He is from Carleton University and with us now. Good afternoon, Elliot. How are you today? I'm fine, Scott. Thank you very much for taking the time. We greatly appreciate this. Uh, do you do you have a good feeling that Canadian officials have a handle on this, have a handle on what to do in this scenario? I have a good feeling that everybody's trying to find a way forward. Uh, what we know for sure is that this issue is not just of importance to Canada, but to you know just about every place else, and that all around the world there are attempts to find solutions. Some of those solutions tend toward more surveillance and more punishment and uh, a lot more loss of privacy. Others say, well, we have civil liberties here and our values are important to us. So if terrorists take our values away from us, they've already won. So the, the debate between privacy and security on the one hand and freedom on the other hand, freedom of expression, just the freedom that we're all used to, that debate is going to be ongoing and finding the right package Finding that package is what Canada is all about right now. And, and that will really matter on what's happening that day, doesn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, this is an ongoing, changing situation. We are grappling with a whole new security situation. The last time our security laws were updated was in the middle of the 1980s after the Air India bombing. And we had a whole panoply of security issues in place because of the threats of that era. We're into a whole new era now. We have new kinds of threats, and how to respond to them is a struggle. Uh, The government right now is trying to put together, I think, a package, uh, a mixture that will be effective for Canada. Do you, do, do, you, do you think that our leaders uh, understand the ideology of this issue, understand fully what they are dealing with? I'm not sure anybody has a very good handle on that. I read fairly extensively in this literature, and there's some really good scholarship about the mind of ISIS and so forth. But what to do about it in an open, free, and democratic society is an ongoing debate. No, I don't think we have a good handle on it yet. What's encouraging to me, Scott, is that there's some fairly good research came out quietly in Canada under something called the Kanishka Project that was after their Air India disaster, the bombing, there was a, lot, a very quiet research program was underway, and something was coming out of that. All around the world, there's a lot of research going on. Personally, I think we're going to get a lot out of the extensive research in existence on gangs. Why do people join organizations and, mm. and commit violence? So we're not starting at zero, but we're nowhere near having a complete package, and that's what we're feeling toward now. Uh, we had Rahil Raza on yesterday, uh, who is an expert in this sort of thing, yes. and uh, obviously you know of her. A- and she said that we are being too politically correct. Uh, we've got to get to the root of the uh, of the issue. And our great nature—I'm I- I'm obviously not quoting her—but our great nature is getting in our way. Uh, that we have to identify what's going on and understand what's going on, and we're not. Hmm. Well, 
all of that's true, and all of it still leaves us where we are today, mm-hmm. which is where do we strike that balance that works for Canada? One of the most interesting programs, incidentally, I've run into is in Indonesia, where they had a culturally specific de-radicalization program. It was very quiet. It was quite effective. wouldn't work here because of the uh, cultural context. But the point of that is we are trying to put together a more effective package in Canada. Bill C-51 was a response to the new era, the new layer, the new types of threats. Out of that came our current peace bond or restraining order set of, set of uh, strategies. But now the government is saying we have to do more than that, and they're trying to put together a national framework through consultation, not yet released. On, in that consultation, people from all walks of life in Canada, experts of, such as the one you just quoted, will be heard. We had an attack on our parliament, Scott. I was two blocks away. I was mm. locked down. I was watching SWAT teams on our on our streets in Ottawa. Hmm. So it was a very traumatic time. So we've already had attacks here, and of course in Quebec at the same time, uh, shortly before that. We hope that we do not have a wake-up call in the form of a major attack. ISIS is now using the case we're talking about today in their propaganda. They've already said, look, Canada, I don't know if you've read these, you know, all worshippers of the cross were coming for you and showing scenes of Toronto in flames with a wolf standing next to them. So we are in an era where radicalization can take effect outside of the normal strictures. We, we can watch, you know, all the usual places, mosques and radical imams and so forth. But if a kid's in his basement online <laughs> uh, and there's experts out there waiting for him, there's recruiters uh, for ISIS and not others, just ISIS, but a lot of them are out there waiting for confused young people, often young men, looking for an identity and a cause, and um, they reel them in. Uh, You talked about experts waiting there for them. Lots will view this movement and say it's very primitive. It is quite sophisticated in how it does this, isn't it? They might even have, according to the papers, some Canadian uh, supporters. Some of their propaganda apparently has uh, Canadians... uh, in, in, in the making of them, and the Canadian voices have been identified uh, as part of the recruitment. Yes, this is a very sophisticated group, very tech-savvy group, um, and they're not the only ones. We focus on ISIS because they deserve it. They're demonic, but they are just one of a panoply of groups. The key questions here are these, I think. The overarching one is where do you draw the line between freedom and security, mm-hmm. privacy, uh, you know, these peace bonds, are we going to toughen them so everybody is watched all the time? And is, is that the kind of Canada we want? Would we accept that? So that's one. Then after that is, how can we possibly deal with a new layer and order of threat that involves uh, the Internet age, social media, and at the same time have more than a punishment and warning system? Right now we do have the peace bonds. We do have, uh, fortunately, uh, excellent internal security so far. So far, uh, the threats domestically have been thwarted, and, and some of that, that's with international cooperation. But um, can we put together something beyond that? And I think that's currently the, the effort. De-radicalization, the government's announced they're going to appoint an advisor, and the, this advisor is going to have a $10 million a year budget for what to do about after people might be 
you know, attracted? How do we de-attract them? How do we take that out of them? And until we work on that part of it, well, we're limited. Are we chasing the horse here, though, Elliot? I mean, you, you know, you, you mentioned the peace bonds, and, and, and some are saying that this may backfire if you try to de-radicalize, make that a part of the peace bond uh, issue. Uh, should we be way ahead of this game? I mean, rather than, than trying to de-radicalize, how do we, shouldn't we be going after uh, the situations or the people before they are radicalized? How do, we, how do we get in that space as opposed to reacting after the fact? How do you know where that space is, Scott? Yeah. How do you identify that space? The big picture, standing back from this, is, is a geopolitical one. We've had the collapse of an old order in the Middle East, an mm-hmm. old order that the West did have a hand in creating of kind of artificial states after the First World War, which were held together by strong men of one type or another and dictators of one type or another, wiped out anything like civil society, the kind of thing you and I deal with all the time and Canadians are used to, leaving only a tribe and clan and uh, hard-edged uh, extremists on the edge. When all that blows up and falls apart, we see the mess we're in, and out of that mess, out of that chaos, out of that attempt to come to grips with modernity way late, political modernity I'm speaking of now, mm. way late, that creates the opportunity for, for an ISIS and, and its ilk to form. So the big question, I mean the big picture here, the real answer to your question is the Middle East has to get it so sorted out, we have to play a constructive role in that, and only when that happens can you, as you put it, uh, go to the roots, the roots are the collapse of an old order, the rise of a new one, and out of that chaos have come these these uh, extremist forces. When we're talking about domestic terrorism, why and people who are trying who are being radicalized and, and taken to their world, sort of speak, why do they believe that their world will be better than ours? Why do they think that what we have is just a stepping stone into a to, to a greater place? How do they convince people of that? Um, That's a pretty tall order. It is. There's two sides to that. The current, you know, what we see around us, uh, the Canada that exists, and why isn't that good enough? So better, better integration of marginalized peoples, people who have been pushed to the corners, people who are not benefiting from the full side of what we have to offer. That's the one side of it. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is, and that's why I go back to gangs as uh, the literature we have, recruitment to a a greater cause. There's always been cults. Now we have a death cult in the form of ISIS, and it's very seductive for people who are looking for an identity, who are being called. A lot of the people we're talking about are recent converts to a religion, and that's not a Muslim phenomenon. We find that recent converts are often more zealous uh, than others. They're also more vulnerable. They're on the hunt for something. They're on the hunt for meaning. And as I say, there's experts out there waiting to reel them in and take them step by step away from a search for meaning to a search uh, for overthrowing the existing order through violence. We, we can certainly see how they troll for the disenfranchised, but what about those smart people we were talking about, those sophisticated people that know the Internet, that do this, that do that? What's sucking them in? Uh, they already had gone down that path ahead yeah. and turned back to recruit others. Why? It's a really excellent question. What do we know about these people? Very little. What can we do to reach them? Almost nothing. We're reaching them with uh, Reaper drones and <laughs> with bombs. So the, those who threaten 
violence will be dealt with in the punitive fashion that the states can bring to bear, updated uh, for the current nature of threat, which is part of what C-51 was all about, a new nature of threat and how do we deal with it. But it can't be the only answer. Essentially, as I say, the biggest picture of all is until the Middle East sorts itself out with our help, keeping in mind that all across the Middle East, it's a young population, and a young population that's largely unemployed and which has been cut off from the kinds of civil society that uh, we are used to. So and if we can help that cohort, <laughs> that generation, turn in a positive direction instead of saying, what went wrong, why are we now in such an awful position and blame the West and anybody else, minorities in particular, including, in this case, say, Yazidis, until that sorts itself out, we have to defend ourselves and protect ourselves, and that's a mixed package. It cannot only be uh, through surveillance and punitive measures. It also has to be through rectifying this system that produces people looking for a higher purpose in life and finding it only through, primarily through, these kinds of recruitment devices that are waiting for them. It seems in the past that whenever we've been involved in conflict or war uh, or engagement of some kind, uh, we go in, it, it's, it, it lasts for a few years, and, and we have to go in and, and save the world, and then the next campaign starts and we've got to bring our troops home. We've got to get everybody else out. We got to. Da, da, da. Are we kidding ourselves that we can do that? I mean, can we ever bring troops home? Isn't this an ongoing scenario that will never be resolved, certainly not in our lifetime, or, or perhaps takes a couple of decades to do so, rather than, you know, go in, create hell, and then get the heck out? You know Colin Powell's uh, man- mantra, if you break it, you bought it. Yeah. Uh, we've not really taken that to heart. Certainly the Iraq situation, uh, getting rid of that despot was well worth doing, but not having, you know, what do you do the day after, well thought out, has led to a lot of our current situation. It basically triggered, in the long run, the collapse of that old order, which was stagnant politically, which was stagnant culturally in a lot of ways because it led to stunted growth of the populations because they didn't have the kind of civil society uh, that their, their youth yearns for. So we are in a situation of dealing with the overflow of a collapsed old order, if you want to put it at the high level, <laughs> Scott. But in the meanwhile, we do have to protect ourselves on the one hand through the, through the uh, surveillance and punitive side of the equation and find a way to deal with that fraction of the population that would otherwise turn against us and instead turn them back in favor of the uh, free and democratic society resting on our values as demonstrated every day in Canada. Will there be more errand drivers before we get a handle on this? Unfortunately, um, well, it depends on how you define that. Are there more disaffected young people who are eligible for recruitment? Yes. Uh, are we going to catch them, as we did in this case? We hope so. Will the enhanced techniques we have on the security and surveillance side help? Very likely. Is it the total answer? answer? Absolutely not. We have to have a much more effective, what do you do about the disaffection besides hitting it on the head? We have to find a, a much more effective way of dealing with providing alternative and positive paths for people who are going down the wrong path. And that is a society-wide matter. Uh, Aaron Driver, to come back to your specific question, no mosque will have anything to do with his burial. Mm. Uh, they don't think of him as a good Muslim. So um, 
we have a societal-wide response, but also a policy response not yet completed, underway. The research is underway, and we we need to have a much better two-sided approach to this, punitive surveillance, correction, prevention, and at the same time, um, preservation of our society, defanging the anxieties, the angst, the loss, the sense of need for for escaping into a dream world of violence. We have to work on that. Well said. Elliot Tepper has been with us, professor of political science with expertise in immigration, terrorism, and diversity issues in Canada at Carleton University. Elliot, fascinating discussion. Thanks for the time. Well, certainly, Scott. We're, we're, it's not the end of the conversation on this issue, I hope. Not, not necessarily. I'm me, sure we will chat with society, you again. We're underway. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, I know that, you know, why are you covering the Trump stuff so much? Well, it's like watching Survivor. It's like watching The Apprentice. It's like watching any other reality TV show. For us, up here. For the people south south of the border, uh, it in fact is reality. Some happy, some not so happy. Uh, to talk more about a new uh, team, brand new team leading the Trump campaign. The Republican nominee has announced another change up in his campaign leadership. Uh, how does this place him as he moves forward? Paul Hamilton is with us, Associate Professor of Comparative Politics in the Department of Political Science, Brock University, and is with us now. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, is Trump in trouble, or could his honesty end up propelling him? No, he is in serious trouble. Uh, you can think of a lot of uh, catastrophic metaphors, the Titanic, the Hindenburg. Um, hmm. He's in a kind of death spiral. And um, I think uh, that's what led to this uh, third change in his elite um, campaign team since June. Uh, You described it as a death spiral. Lots of people all along this journey have said, well, that's a death spiral. There's another death spiral. Always just lobbed another one. Um, How do we know this one's taken them down? Well, this is the difference. Um, If someone, as I did uh, very early on, uh, predicted that his remarks about uh, John McCain would mean he was over. Um, they were proven wrong very quickly because the primary contest and the polling data showed that he was out competing his 16 other rivals. <clears throat> um, so we can make that claim that I made at the beginning because we can see the polls for the last two weeks have shown a serious decline. Uh, particularly in the battleground states where this campaign is going to be won. So the evidence, uh, as far as today, um, end of August or middle of August, um, it's very clear that his campaign is uh, not doing very well. So what has been the tipping point? What has sent it over the edge? Because we all remember after the Republican convention, which I guess is typical after conventions, you see a bit of a bump, but then it started, he pretty much started a, a steady decline. What was the tipping point for him? Well, the tipping point is the um, that this is a different contest. So whereas before, he, he was primarily uh, targeting what we call the Republican selectorate, the, the party core activists who are electing the 
uh, nominee. Uh, now he's involved in a general campaign against a very well-known Democrat with a pretty united party and a lot of money, and she spent a ton on advertising. Um, and I think uh, there's a broader audience watching this. The fact that he won the uh, primaries and also uh, gave his uh, very lengthy um, nomination speech or acceptance speech, um, it focused people's minds. And so, uh, whereas it was perhaps even uh, disbelief at, at his prospects before, once people start to think, yeah, this could actually happen, um, then people's uh, preferences start to solidify. And so more and more people are starting to make up their minds about uh, Trump. Uh, Donald says, I just got to be me. Uh, will the me persona get him elected? I don't think he has a lot of choice. There's basically two options. He tries to be something that he isn't, which is a legitimate, serious political candidate. If he does that, he's going to come up short. He's not going to look good against uh, Hillary, particularly in the debates that are coming up in September. Um, if he goes with his strength, which is, you know, the populist, the iconoclast, um, shoot from the hip uh, thing that so many people admire, he's never going to get a, uh, above the 30-ish percent uh, of the electorate that appreciate that quality. Hmm. And so um, I think he clearly has signaled with this change in the uh, campaign organization. Very clearly he's decided he's going to go with the one that brought him to the dance, which is yeah. his, his personality. But I don't see that uh, working um, in November. So is he realizing that he can't out-debate Hillary or that he can't win out-debating Hillary, uh, out Hillary and he's just decided to take the low road that got him there, as you said? I think that's part of it. I, I think, um, I mean, I don't know the man, but um, everything about him, first of all, he's 70 years old, so his personality is pretty well crystallized. <laughs> he's going to, I think, assume as a lot of First of all, when I say he's egotistical, all politicians are egotistical. That's why they're politicians. But he must have a belief that may be fantastic, but he has this belief that he will prevail because his whole life is, uh, for him, success after success in business and entertainment. He, I, he thinks, and I think it's because he just doesn't understand what he's doing, he thinks that these qualities will enable him to triumph uh, in the debates and uh, uh, in November, but uh, I don't see any evidence for that at all. Could we be misjudging this one too, though, Paul? It's possible. Um, I I will admit that a year ago I would have said there's no way on earth that Trump could win. And primary. Paul, Paul, don't be so hard on yourself because I couldn't find a poli sci prof that would say this, that wouldn't say anything different. I mean, everybody said that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, I've been, but I was saying it even late into it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm. But r this really is a different contest. The stakes are high. So, what will his new team do for him? What is what is the uh, the strategy? And these guys are all pretty much outsiders, from what I understand. They are, and not only that, they are. In the case of Steve Bannon, who is now the CEO of the campaign, uh, Steve Bannon has been launching a kind of insurgency against the Republican Party. Um, from outside, using the Breitbart website and all of its different uh, media activities 
to not only go after Hillary, but he's been going after the Republican Party. And so you could see this as almost the elite of the Tea Party coming, um, uh, joining the campaign. It, it seems that the campaign, the prediction is, and I think this is probably right, this is going to be a campaign that, that's going to be really low. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be um, probably one of the worst we've ever seen in terms of mudslinging and slurs and all these kinds of things. I think that's the technique they're going to try uh, to use, um, but it doesn't make Trump any uh, more electable or, or likable. You know, you can tear down Hillary a lot. The, the strength that Hillary has is she is a known commodity. She has been known to the electorate since 1992. Most people have a fairly clear view of Hillary one way or the other. The real question in November is going to be, who can turn out the most people, and do Americans uh, prefer the least worst option, which hmm. would definitely be, I think, Clinton. Well, and again, there, there you've said it. There's as many people upset with Hillary as there seems to be with Donald Trump. Uh, do you need an experienced team to win the White House? Oh, yes. And Steve Bannon has never run a presidential campaign. In fact, to, from what I can see, um, he's never run any kind of uh, electoral campaign. Imagine orchestrating uh, elections in 50 states and territories uh, over a couple of months and uh, coordinating all of these activities. I mean, it, it's, it's really not something for an amateur. And, you know, that's what some of us up here may not understand is there's a huge infrastructure in place here with this, and that's what he is lacking, correct? Uh, well, he has theoretically access to the Republican National Committee's uh, organization and resources. The problem there is, because Bannon's been attacking them, they have no particular sympathy or like for him. A lot of them have already publicly said they don't like Trump. And what I think will happen, as these polls continue to show Trump making no progress, I predict in about a month, you're going to see the Republican Party direct its resources to state Senate and House elections and try and protect and maybe even grow their legislative um, uh, outcome uh, at the expense of Trump, essentially just giving up on Trump. Uh <laughs> Do you? Uh, we we saw the press. Uh, re- we saw the press clippings yesterday of uh, him with his entourage meeting with the FBI on security issues. Do you think the American people uh, sort of toyed with this for fun, and now as he gets closer and closer and closer, and as reality sets in, they're giving it a second thought? Um, I do think so, and uh, there are a lot of people who are going to support Hillary. Um, you know, holding their nose, perhaps, uh, but at the same time feeling confident that she is someone who uh, can actually manage uh, government and uh, foreign policy in a way that, I mean, it's simply unimaginable to me. And a lot of uh, elite uh, people from the bureaucracy, the Pentagon, um, the intelligence uh, community, the military, uh, the Republican Party, they're all saying the same thing. That, it, it, that whatever your ideological perspective, it's unimaginable that Trump could be in the White House. 
Uh, do you think uh, we we noticed the last uh, week he he came out with a couple of gaffes? Uh, he said that um, that that Hillary and, and Barack Obama were the founders of ISIS. He even went on a Republican radio show. The guy tried to bail him out, saying, "No, right. what you meant was there was they created a vacuum there, and then that allowed the terrorists to to form, and and that's how they founded ISIS." No, 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 no. They founded ISIS. He doubled down on that, and then started uh, beating up the media, <laughs> saying that. Uh, they don't understand sarcasm. How can do you, do you think Americans that finally resonated with Americans uh, when they, all of a sudden they can't understand when their presidential candidate is telling the truth or kidding or being sarcastic or let alone lying or even not understanding? Yeah, yeah. Um, his comments about Ukraine, I think, were very revealing. Mm. I mean, this is someone who clearly doesn't watch the news. He doesn't read papers. Uh, he. I'll be interested to hear if anyone ever asks him, you know, what do you read? The famous Katie yeah, question. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Palin. Palin. Yeah. Um, you know, Clinton was Secretary of State. Whatever mistakes she may have made with regard to her email or Benghazi, uh, whatever, this is someone who has experience and knowledge. And Clint, or, uh, uh, Trump seems to have absolutely no knowledge at all. Hmm. Where does this leave, or where will this leave, the Republican Party? Because many have said that all of a sudden this whole thing will just run out of gas. Some said he won't even make it to, to, to Election Day. He may just bail out ahead of time. I, um, yeah. You know, and, and I could just see him saying, oh, well, so you know, too bad, so sad, and be off to a golf course, and just continue on as if it was any other Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But where does that leave the Republican Party? Well, it's a, it's a very difficult situation for them. First of all, about Trump, I, I thought it was possible that he would quit, too. But the fact that he's made this change in the campaign, I think he's going to go through to the end. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've got to be me. You know, that's going to be his theme song. Um, but as far as the Republican Party, uh, hard to know how damaging this will be down the road. Um, but they have a problem. They created a Frankenstein called the Tea Party. Mm. And uh, the Tea Party was great in 2010 in the midterm elections. The problem with the Tea Party is it was almost as angry at the elite of that party as it was at Obama. Mm -hmm. And so now they're dealing with this creature. um, And you could see possibly, as in Europe, a new populist far-right party emerging and exiting the Republican Party at which point um, the Republican Party would be sorely wounded, I think. How has this whole Trump situation changed uh, politics? Will we see more Donald Trumps, or will the pendulum swing back to more serious-type candidates? I mean, because obviously, um, you know, there's a Hollywood factor here that, that, that's coming to play. He knows how to, to, to run the media. So uh, has this changed the game? Um, It may be simply a symptom of a game that's been evolving, and let me quickly uh, explain what I mean. Um, For your listeners who follow uh, Bernie Sanders or the work of uh, Noam Chomsky, um, they may have noticed and lamented there is a trend now in American politics where um, experience doesn't matter that much, hard work doesn't matter that much. What really matters is are you a billionaire? Mm -hmm. And if you are, you can immediately begin entertaining entering the political arena because it costs so much money now uh, to run for office. And so you have uh, all of these celebrity figures now entertaining the idea of po- political office. And this is both cynical, it discourages people, 
it makes them cynical about politics. And I think this is only going to get worse because the one thing about American politics, it's fa- the fatal problem that it has is the relationship between politics and money. And unless there's some kind of common bipartisan will to get money out of the politics, I think we're going to see more Trumps, and uh, that's not good for democracy. Where do you see the Trump campaign in the weeks ahead, short term? It'll be very interesting to see how they manage him. Um, I would imagine um, they're going to get dirty and low in the next little while. Um, In a month or so, I think we'll be able to tell, maybe not even, even in two weeks, we'll have a good idea of whether or not this shuffle at the top uh, has paid off. I, I don't think it has. I think this is kind of desperation. It's kind of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, I don't see much ha- happening. To There's only one thing I could see that, that could help Trump, and that would be a catastrophic terrorist attack. Hmm. That's about the only thing I can think of. Yeah, or, or, Hillary, possibly... or Hillary shooting herself in the foot in some way. But she won't, yeah, you know, yeah. because she has the opposite problem. Yeah. She is so stage-managed yeah. and so filtered, yeah. um, it'd be hard to imagine her ever saying anything objectionable. Wow, what you just said is frightening, but boy, I could see that. Should, uh, should he use his family more? I was watching CNN the other night, and, and some pundit said, you know, that's when uh, things went really well for him. But gee whiz, he can't have his family with him hanging out of the Oval Office. No, no, I don't think so either. And and that's no substitute for policy. Um, you know, you want to humanize a candidate, but they already had their chance to do that. The other thing about Trump is it's not that he's unknown. It's that he's too well-known. Yeah. And it's very hard to eclipse the public image he cultivated on TV and in business. You know, he's the maverick, the, the Yankee trader, um, the successful business person. You can't go against that now and and pretend he's some other kind of character you know how will this uh, what about collateral damage and all the other people involved in this whether it's uh other candidates that were uh, of the past i mean uh, how do other republicans avoid the collateral damage here well some of them eagerly dove into the pool like uh, chris christie uh i imagine his political career is probably at an end um, there's a few others who probably didn't have one, uh, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. like Ben Carson. Uh, I think, you know, someone like, um, um, uh, pardon me, the, the current Speaker of the House, his name is Gates. Ryan, Paul Ryan? Uh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan probably has played it pretty smartly, and uh, probably will see him in the future as a uh, presidential candidate. Um, <clears throat> but I think anybody that sort of uh, thought they could ride a, a populist wave with Trump and uh, help their political careers are probably going to find in the long run that it's going to hurt them. Paul Hamilton has been with us, Associate Professor of Comparative Politics in the Department of Political Science, Brock University. Paul, thanks for the time and insight. Fascinating discussion. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll chat again. Sure. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.
You might remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I told you the story, and I'm not going to play the calls for you, like I have 5,000 times. Uh, you might remember I, I told you about the story of the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, calling me, and it's one of those scams. They demand money, and you got to call me now. Get your lawyer to call me. You know, all that stuff. And, of course, we called the tax lawyer. We called the CRA. We called the Anti-Fraud Centre. And basically, of course, yes, this is a classic call. So you may remember uh, in this whole <laughs> this whole, I guess it was like four days we were doing this, uh, doing different, uh, interviewing different guests on this. I decided to call the number. And then I actually sort of carried on with the guy, you might remember. And then he eventually hung up on me. He was demanding that I call or my lawyer call. But then when I called and uh, it didn't jive and he knew I was on to him, he just, he unloaded me, he got rid of me. I wanted to be frauded, and he he he, could, he wouldn't fraud me. So uh, I got a lot of response from that. I got a lot of calls, and a lot of people uh, sent me notes and such. So earlier on, just before we came on the air, Bob calls me, and it, like literally ten minutes before I'm on the air, and and Bob wants to talk to me, and he and he says, Scott, I got one of those calls. I just got one of those calls that hacks, you know, the CRA guy, and wanting da 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 da. So we yak back and forth, and he said, You want the number? He's like, well, no, we've beaten this to death. Okay, give me the number. So he gives me the number, and he gives me the guy's name that called him. You might remember the guy that called me was Ryan Smith. Uh, his guy's name is Alex Brown. <laughs> Can we get more common names? Uh, so anyway, while the news is on, I'm writing down, I, oh, yeah, I got, I got uh, Bob's note here, and I'm looking at the number, and it's like, I'm just going to give it a call. And I called it first, and it said uh, an operator came on, like a, a receptionist came on, recorded receptionist said, if you know the extension of the person you're calling, you know one of those. So I thought, wow, Bob's giving me the wrong number. So I hung up, and what the heck, I'll try again. So I dialed the number again. The same freaking guy that called me, the same voice that I have on the answering machine, I know the voice, I've heard it enough. The same voice answers the freaking phone. And I'm so giddy, I just hang up. I asked, I asked for Alex Brown, which is the name that Bob gave me. And he said, hang on a second, please. And I went, <coughs> and I hung up. So, do you want to? We got to see how far we can take this idiot. I'm going to actually say I'm Ryan Smith, who's the guy that supposedly called me last time. See if he figures it out. If he even gets through now. He may be listening and, and, and this is all for nothing. But let's try. 1-888 is the number. 4-3-3. We never do this, but we will because these guys are scammers. 7-8-8-4 is the number. I'm going to ask for Alex Brown. Thank you for calling. If you know your party's... Yeah, that's the one I got last time. Let me try again. I can't believe, though, when I phone this number that Bob gives me, the listener that it's actually the same freaking voice as the guy that called me. Yare, how can I help you? Hi, is Alex Brown there, please? Uh, somebody spoke to you, ma'am? Yes, someone called from the CRA or, and wanted, and I was supposed to speak to Alex Brown? Alex Brown. Yes. Okay, what's your the name? Na the name he left me was Alex Brown. Yeah, ma'am, what's your name? My name is Elizabeth Smith. Elizabeth Smith. 
Yeah, just stay online. I will transfer this call. Okay. He thinks I'm a woman. Oh my God. Same guy. Hello. Hello. Yeah, this is Alex Brown. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I'm looking for Alex Brown. My name is Elizabeth yeah, Smith. Is, yeah, this is Alex Brown. How can I help you, ma'am? Well, how can I help you? I understand you called me something about tax. Yes. Yeah, ma'am. The the reason of the call. Uh, let me first of all write your name. Can you spell out your first name, ma'am? Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth Smith. Okay, we had talked earlier, right? Yes. Well, I left. Yes, left a message for me. Elizabeth. Okay, yeah. So, Miss Elizabeth, now the reason of the call is to inform you that you have been listed as a primary suspect in a case being filed by the CRA. And I have received a legal affidavit against you which says that there is outstanding personal income taxes under your name and you also tried to commit a fraud with the CRA. So, I just need to have your lawyer name and number who will be able to represent you inside the courthouse. So, do you have any criminal lawyer? Well, n no. I don't have a criminal lawyer. I'm not a criminal. No, okay. What I'm going to do for you, I'm going to provide all the information from the affidavit, okay, Miss Elizabeth? Yeah. Okay. So now, but before I proceed, I would like to notify you that the lines on which we are talking right now are federally monitor recorded line. So, I would appreciate if you do not interrupt me in between while I'm reading this affidavit. I will address all your questions regarding the affidavit once I finish, okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, so Miss Elizabeth, the CRA, after undertaking a statutory audit of your tax filing between year 2010 to 2014 has concluded that you have been underpaid your taxes. The CRA has discovered a strong evidence that this was not a result of innocent negligence. Rather, we have reason to believe that it was a willful act done with the intent to defraud the CRA. The CRA is not claiming that you are not paying your taxes. CRA knows that you are paying your taxes on a regular basis. But when they have done an auditing of your tax return, they found out that you had failed to declare your actual income, which was higher than what is mentioned in the return. You had wrongly benefited from deduction for which you are not eligible, and every year you paid the less taxes than you are supposed to pay. So CRA has decided to press four allegations against your name. Count 1, violation of federal tax regulation. Count 2, violation of Canada Revenue Code. Count 3, theft by deception. Count 4, willful misrepresentation of information to a government organization. Now, the CRA has decided to forcefully recover this amount by invoking Canada Revenue Code 6. 331H against you. What this means for you is the CRA will mark a lien on your asset, including your house and car. All your known bank account could be frozen. Your social insurance number could be blacklisted, which means you would not be able to gain any government benefits in the future. The credit reporting agencies would be notified about your test fraud and they are most unlikely to downgrade your credit ratings. All your wages and benefits will be frozen by informing your employer and government bodies. If you have an existing payment plan with the CRA, then it would get terminated under Section 38 CR Code. CRA will get a non-billable arrest warrant issued against your name. So finally, you do have a right to hire 
a good attorney for yourself and if you cannot afford one one will be appointed to you from the court system so now miss elizabeth i'm done with my part now i'm going to transfer this call to my authority if you have some questions regarding the case you can ask them okay okay thank you for your time okay what do i do now i'm go i'm going to put you on hold for a moment i'm going to transfer this call to my high authority and to the auditing department okay okay thank you on freaking believable this is what happens he thinks i'm a woman All right, he's got me on hold now. Maybe he's listening, maybe he's not. But I cannot believe what I have just heard. I cannot believe for the last 10 minutes this person has been on the rant that they have. Hello. Hello? To whom you are speaking with? Who is with you? I am I'm Elizabeth Smith? No, no. Right now to whom somebody you are speaking with? I was speaking with Alex Brown. Oh, this is Alex Brown. I'm not talking about me. Uh, right now who's with you at there that at your place well my husband why ma'am this is a confidential matter you cannot you cannot you cannot just disclose this matter okay you know that well you just told me to talk to my lawyer your husband's lawyer no so be on be on hold okay Don't talk to anybody, okay? Who am I talking to? Phone lines muted. Uh, Jake says I can talk now. He won't hear me. Let me put put me back up when he comes on. So he's obviously listening to me on hold and wondering what's going on. Uh, because of course I can't just let dead air on the radio. Yes, thank you so much for staying online. I'm talking with Smith, Mr. Smith. Yes. Okay, uh, Mr. Smith, I just uh, I hope you have a word with my one of my officer, uh, and I I guess he might have explained you each and everything. Now before we go ahead and press any kind of legal charges against your name, if you have any questions, you can go ahead and ask to me. I had a notice of assessment. I, I I was fine. I got a refund. Okay. So how can I be in arrears? See, ma'am, it is not an assessment, right? It is an audit which has been conducted by the Revenue Canada for the year of 2010 to 2014. So what do now I do now? What do now I do now? Listen, now you are not claiming that you have you haven't paid. Uh, You, you're not paying your taxes. We do know that you're filing your taxes on a regular basis, but in your tax filing, we find out certain miscalculations and mistakes, and due to which you paid less taxes to the government. And government is claiming that those mistakes were committed on purpose or intentionally in order to defraud them, and that's the reason why they file a case against you. What do I do now, ma'am? Do you know what is the outstanding balance that you owe to the CRA? What do I owe? The balance that you owe to the CRA is coming around two thousand five hundred dollars. Two thousand five hundred dollars? Yes. What do I do now? So, you hire a lawyer, okay? You hire a lawyer who can fight back for your case inside the courthouse, okay? 
Okay. Tell your lawyer to contact me and I'll, and I'll send you, okay? And I'm, and, and I'm sending the police to arrest you, okay? Get arrested. Is, is, arrested. Is, I, I think I may be the one that's sending the police to arrest you. Is Ryan Smith oh. there? Is Alex Brown there? You've been on the radio. Oh, I didn't get to tell them they've been on the radio forever. <sighs> that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sorry? Uh, I want to call again. Can I, can, uh, can you please explain to Christine that we have to, uh, we have to address this. Um, so we're, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I'm a little hot under the collar. I'm calling back. I think the reason they want the lawyer is the, uh, you know, that's, that's supposed to make you feel that it's legitimate. And who's Elizabeth Smith? Thank you for calling. If you know... I'll try one more time. Uh, in case you are just tuning in, uh, we have been on the phone for the last 15 minutes being defrauded by some arse who says he works for the Canada Revenue Agency. Unbelievable what these people will do. Thank you for calling. CRA can help. Uh, yeah, Alex Brown, please. <laughs> okay, now I'm like a little kid. Can I? Can you put me back up? Uh, you killed me there. Can I have line eight? Thank you. All right, what do I do now? How do I get any farther? Do I just say who I am? Say, hey, you're busted? Say, hey, we've just been playing you on the radio for the last 40 minutes? I would just thank him for the, for the great radio and the public service announcement. CRA, this is Sean Megan. Can I help you? Yes, I'd just like to thank you for the half hour of beautiful radio you've provided us and telling people what they shouldn't and shouldn't do when it comes to calls like this. Everything that you just said to us has been brought. Everything you just said to us has been broadcast on the radio. Pardon me. Pardon me. Do you, do you remember lady's name? Elizabeth Smith. Elizabeth Smith. Yes. No one here by that name. No, that's because you were just talking to Elizabeth no, Smith. No. Yes. Do you want to tell everybody who you are? <laughs> now I can't stop. I can't stop now. I got to keep going with this jerk. It's the same guy. I'm, I'm going to tell him I'm going to follow him until the freaking cows come home. Yeah, Ray, can I help you? Why don't you want to talk to us, Alex or Ryan or whatever your name is? Come on! <laughs> okay, this is the last time. One more time, that's it. I think we'll get the probably the voicemail now. One ringy ding. To Thank you for calling. All right, now I had to do it one more time. Okay, this is it. I promise this will be the last time. I know I'm like a kid fooling around on a Friday night, but really, this to me is unbelievable. Unbelievable that for the last 20 minutes, this man's been trying to defraud us. Thank you for calling. <laughs> if you know your party. All right. 
Uh, Dan's on line one. Dan, how are you? What are your thoughts? Have you talked to Alex Brown or Ryan Smith? Oh, Ryan Smith called me twice. Do you recognize the voice? This is the same. Oh, yes. This is the time. same. This is the same ass that uh, left his name <laughs> and number on my phone uh, answering machine and has let me call him on the radio. Lord knows how many times. Oh, and you know what? I've been listening, Scott, and it's just been a gas. I mean, I, all the power to you. I mean, you know what? And I did call the uh, hotline, and I talked to the RCB. They told me to call the CRA. So they gave me the number. I called the CRA, and the guy just started laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, that's been going on for a couple of years. He, I says, well, do you want me to Oh, no, no. He says, you know, it's in another country, and they don't cooperate with us, you know, and it's like, Really? Well, you know I mean, what? When I called the Annie Fraud Center and I played the th- I played the call that I had received, she took the number down. They had a hundred and some odd complaints to that number just in two weeks alone in the last two weeks of July. Yeah, all you do is Google that number on your search bar, and it'll come up how many times the people have complained about it. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah. So do you know how I got rid of this remedy? How my remedy was? I canceled my home phone line. You know, I've heard so Bell, many people say that. Bell is totally responsible for this. And Bell will not help anybody figure this out. So I canceled my home line. Everybody has cell phones. We don't need a home line anymore. I got rid of all the advertising and all the fraudulent calls. <laughs> you know what? That's uh, Sadly enough, I've heard people doing the same thing. Thanks for the call, Dan. Much appreciated. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what I can't believe, it's the same damn guy. It's the same guy. You know, it just shows you how gullible people are and the fact that they're used, they just keep doing the same thing because they know that people will fall for it. Hey, Tom, what are your, what, what's your thoughts? What's your story? I, actually, I was starting to fume as I was hearing this guy. Like, his name is probably not Andrew Smith. It's probably Pundir or something. They're probably not even in Canada. Yeah. It happened to me about two months ago. I got home. Just after I got my tax return, I panicked. I called my um, my accountant. He says he started laughing on the phone. He goes, "Erase the message and forget about it." Yeah. The thing is, they're getting away with it. I think what they're doing is taking advantage of old people yeah. that uh, will give them the certain type of information, maybe their credit card or whatever. I wish you would have called the cops and had to call Trace and. Well, again, we've you know we've called tax lawyers, we've called uh, the CRA on this, we've called the Anti Fraud Center, which is the RCMP and the OPP, and they take the yeah. information. They're aware of it. They're aware of this line. They've well, uh, well maybe not this one specifically because this is different than the one I called yeah. a couple of weeks first, ago. First but, of all, Revenue Canada doesn't answer the phone that quick. No, usually on hold <laughs> yeah. for half an hour, and they don't call themselves. Uh, RCA or R whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Revenue Canada. Like, I mean, I feel bad because I bet you they've scammed quite a few. People. We had a guy. We had a guy call in. They got for twelve thousand bucks. Oh my god! Twelve thousand dollars. Like, I mean, it's and you heard. I mean, the guy wouldn't hang up. He 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 kept trolling me for like twenty minutes. Yeah, and like and you know, I, I you know, I did a crappy job of disguising my voice. He even bought that. I like when he asked you. Who are you talking to? Yeah. He said, my husband. He says, no, don't tell no one. So you know that they're... <laughs> exactly. They're, they're so here's the other thing, too. He's clearly listening to me when I'm on hold. <laughs> which he we, was. Yeah. He was. Anyway, you have a good day. All right. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, we got a lot on this. Uh, do we know who's on one? Julie, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the call we just had? Thank you very much for doing that because I hope 
that you have helped a whole bunch of people who have gotten caught by that fraud. Um, I have a story. It's about a different fraud. Um, my dad had got involved with some um, investments that ended up being that the police investigators said that it was so good um, by the faxes and that on the computer that um, they they it was hard to even tell that it wasn't legit. And uh, my dad ended up spending, I'll just say, over $100,000. And the day he was going to remortgage his house because he thought he was doing something good for his family um, because he mm. was supposed to like 750,000 um he ended up dying that day before he went to go do that so oh my i'm just really pleased that you had those people um because there's a lot of scams out there i can i can't believe this is the same guy that called my house last month this is the same guy we did this exact same thing to uh last week yeah, I called a couple. There was one about it, you could get a gas card for $100. Yeah. So I called them back, and, um, yeah, you have to pay, like, $3 and some cents off your credit card in order to get the $100, yeah. the $100 card. But also they were going to send you, like, a timeshare kind of thing. And so I had an argument with them, and I said, well, if you're going to send me a timeshare thing, then why do I have to pay $3 and something for the shipping? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me, you know. But I'm just really happy that you did that because I think there's a lot of older people that um, are scared and don't understand. And because uh, those people should already know your name. They Good point. Yeah, be, I know. Right? Like, why do you have to tell yeah. them your name yeah. when they should already know that, right? So, and... Uh, they don't have any information on you. They're trying to get the information from you. So. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated. Yeah. Let's go until take one more. Frank's on the line. Frank, your thoughts on this? Listen, uh, you're doing such a great public service here right now, Scott. You know, you're, you're showing people by good example of what's going on. And I, I was just talking to your screener. And then, of course, uh, we would expect that perhaps even the phone company would put a, a yellow sheet inside their uh, their bills every year, but not everybody's getting that in, uh, delivered yeah. anymore as well. Mm -hmm. But just to alert people that this is now uh, cost people, uh, unfortunately, that are very naive, naive a lot of money. Um, and case in point here, uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether CHML would, would, would want to put something on, a, start a petition of, of listeners about how to get to the bottom of this. That guy is calling from I would presume a remote area, probably off. Uh, yeah, across yeah, the water. it's yeah, it's the RCMP have, have have are tracing these guys. They're on to them. They just keep switching the numbers and keep changing it around. And and yeah, like the the, the number that we had last week or two weeks ago, uh, the RCMP the or OPP rather, the Anti Fraud Center said there was like 118 complaints for that one yeah, number I heard alone. You say so, that. And, and, but again, I think that on, on this side we can fight against this by getting more and more alertness out there. Like I say, yeah. your station. I mean, I know you ask a question. Uh, a poll question uh, once in a while. You might often say, maybe raise that up on one of your polls. Say, would you take a call from Revenue Canada, uh, unexpected of uh, being mm. uh, requ requesting it for, by yourself? Yeah, you know something to that effect, and just see how many people would would uh, re reply and say. Well, wh I would have to think that most people would would reply no, but somebody might reply yes. But what their reason is is really. Uh, would be awfully confusing as yeah. to why they would. But anyhow, you see where I'm going. I, I just think that uh, you're doing a great public service here. Well, thank you, Frank. I really appreciate that. 
and uh, I, I just think that if there's some awareness, could be brought about more, yep. more further. Well, um, that, and that was the whole idea, and i got to let you go, Frank, simply because we're out of time, is that, you know, uh, if we take this as far as we can go with it, then we'll find out exactly what and how people are getting sucked in, and that's what we did. And, man, I can't believe they stayed in the line with for 20 minutes with us. It's it's unbelievable. All right, 158, thank you for your calls. Uh, a little off topic there, but uh, I think either way, something we need to do, something we should have done before, perhaps. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.